Okay, so we're here. It's episode two. Hey, everybody. Um, Chris, we're going to talk about practice today, so get ready. Yes, we are, Pete. I'm excited. Let's get to it. All right, this is the art tape. I feel like practice is something that is maybe kind of difficult to talk about because everybody has an opinion on what practice is yeah, or how I, you should practice. I would just like to say that immediately in episode two, we're already talking about stuff that most people hate. So we're yeah. off to a good start. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'd also like to talk about how we didn't practice for this. <laughs> oh yeah, no, not at all. We have like minimal notes and we're <laughs> yeah. just going for it so yeah. so um, who are we to talk about practice exactly. well maybe we don't we didn't practice podcasting but we have practiced a lot of other stuff yeah exactly. what was the last thing you practiced um so today i actually took out my little practice drum set Ooh. yeah it's like the whole you know practice pad and like these little silent symbols so it doesn't they're like 80% quieter than regular cymbals and stuff like that. It's kind of like the one that looks like an electronic drum, drum, kit, drum kit? Kind of. Like... It kind of, but I kind of rigged it so that it, it feels more like a practice pad thing rather than a, an electronic drum set. Um, I, I guess it's just a way to sort of imitate the drums as much, but as much as I can, but it doesn't... It never feels quite right. <laughs> the drums are really hard to practice. Mm -hmm. But what's the last thing you practiced? Uh, I found a brush pen in my little art bag. Um, actually, I've, I've been combing through a lot of art supplies this past week, and I found a bunch of stuff. I found um, some oil pastels, and I found like an ink brush pen. And I haven't been using them together, but I've been using them separately on like really small, like um five by three and a half pieces of paper mm -hmm. and just making like little illustrations or drawings or landscapes or whatever is that for I, I feel like this is gonna be the heart of this episode but is that for pleasure or is that for actual like Ooh. practice <laughs> <laughs> that is a hundred percent for pleasure yeah yeah see and but i am like flexing art muscles that I have not um, done in a while and like learning a lot while I'm doing it so yeah when do you think when do you think practice should be um, you know because it, it is going across that line right is it is, is it going to be you know a pleasure or is it going to be hard work you know yeah when do you think it's you know it's bad to lean more towards one way than the other. Mm -hmm. When do you think that starts to happen? Well, I think, I think people find pleasure in like different aspects of practice. So like I'll use drawing as an example. So when I practice, when people practice drawing, a lot of times they uh, like try to imitate. And for the most part, I find that pretty boring and not very pleasurable um and some people love it exactly and i like practicing um by making original drawings or just drawing freely and i find that while i'm not 
um, specifically tackling or like focusing on like a set of skills that maybe copying another art would would help a person focus in on I still am like going through the motions that that allow me to gain skills so it's so. just constantly doing some kind of like like free writing every single day is a form of practice that like you know kind of it's kind of like running for your mind or something like that you know like yeah. you're out there jogging you know it's yeah. not gonna I think the the thing is how much you want to push yourself is kind of what maybe the, what your your question kind of reminded me of because a lot of people like want to just do the same thing and not practice the things they're bad at because they're bad at them and they don't want to like experience doing something bad mm-hmm. um and with i'll admit that the the pleasure practice that i've been that sounds really weird <laughs> <laughs> episode <The fun> two <laughs> pleasure practice <laughs> um the the fun practice that i've been doing um it's it's not like i'm not pushing myself very hard to improve right which i could be doing so what let me turn the question back on to you like what's the what's the ratio of um, fun to not fun practice that you should be doing? So when I first discovered that I was going to be like, that I had sort of any like artistic qualities in me other than like sports, you know, uh, I got into drums, which was established last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you first, when I first started playing in drums, uh, it was all for fun. Everything was fun. I'd put on a System of a Down album and I'd play along <laughs> to it and it'd be the funnest thing in the world. And that definitely got me to progress on the drum set, you know, in its own way. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also um, helped me develop a relationship to the drum set that I believed to be really healthy. You know, it was fun. Yeah. It was energetic. Uh, I got like a little mini workout. Um, I sort of had this fantasy aspect of me playing in thousands of in front of thousands <laughs> of people. You know, I was a teenager. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's super fun. <laughs> and then I was wanting to progress technically and to sort of start to turn from just fun into like an actual craft or an actual, you know, thing, you know, to pursue. Um, and so when you go into uh, drum lessons or when I went into drum lessons, it was very much that it was, here's this practice pad. You're going to practice these rudiments or what other instrumentalists would call scales. You know, um, you're going to practice these things. You're going to do this over and over again, and you're going to start to build muscle memory. Right. Yeah. And from scratch, <laughs> you have no choice but to do that. Right. You know, yeah. you've never done it before. And that was, I think, one of the, I think that was one of the only experiences I've had with art where I really had to take the fun out of it and sort of dig deep, like head down, down. Yeah. and just do doubles, <laughs> which is just right, right, left, left, right, right, left for like, you know, hours wow. on a pillow 
on a practice <laughs> pad, on a whatever I could, on yeah. the type, on the table, in math class, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was the only experience I had that was, you know, that. I see. Um, and like to this day, that's the only experience. Well, I think it's you know once I got into private college, then you had to do things that were then graded. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you have to learn this song or this, you know, particular drum groove or whatever. Um, and I feel like that sort of forced part then makes it sort of work rather than fun, you know? Oh, yeah. So when I was in high school, I would do those things. And I knew that it was progressing me. It was it was giving me, like... I was progressing in a, in a way it, so that I could play however I wanted to play in the future, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to play fast, so you had to do this. You know, and that was fine. When I look back at it, I have to go through that. It was fun because I was, I just got the drum set. I was just starting to play the drums and it was super fun. But then yeah. fast forward to college and it's like, now I'm being graded to play this obscure rudiment, you know, that's like, I'm never maybe I'll use maybe once or twice in my life you know mm-hmm. that's when it became like a oh man I don't want to do this yeah and so that sort of killed the fun you know and that's it... the tiptoe that I'm talking about it's like yeah you know the fun is killed when it's like forced upon you and you don't see any relevance to your progression you know yeah yeah that's I'm trying to think of any time. I don't think I got far enough in my art education where I was like, this is useless. I'm never going to use this, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's probably just because I never got to like that kind of level that you got with music where it was, you're saying it's like, it almost sounds like academia. Right. Would that be fair? Right. It's like, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. There's a time when it's like art has to has to like you have to practice these things, you know, mm-hmm. and it's I don't know, it's so confusing to me. Because yeah. I just don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like unless I find uh like I'm I'm gonna get hired for a gig, you know, and it's like, oh I need you to learn I need you to play this particular thing. Mm-hmm. And if I've never practiced it before. Mm-hmm then I'm going to hunker down and really practice it. Yeah. Knowing that I have to do it to pay bills or to get the next gig or to promote myself or network or something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's not like the guy who's trying to get you to play it is going to be like, you should have learned this in school and yeah. because you didn't <laughs> and you don't have it down pat, like you're not, you're out of here, you know? Right. And they right. like, I don't know. I think with stuff like that, it's just, um like having it in your tool set mm-hmm. maybe and i think i don't know how much practice you had to do with that stuff but it kind of sounds like overkill like doing it so much especially yeah. since like you were saying it's such a specialized thing right and i think when we're talking about fun versus work in regards to practice mm-hmm. um i think i think for me, practice should always be something that is going to be that I that I know that's going to actually help me. Yeah. In my art, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and even if it's like, oh, you know, I know that people who are listening to this are going to be like, well, how do you know if it's going to progress you? That's what teachers are for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, of course that's what they're for. And you might not know what's going to, what's going to help you. But when you start to see like, you know, something so obscure just being graded and your teacher just sort of like, oh yeah, you have to learn this. You know, it's like, well, then that's, that's, that's what I have a problem with, you know? Yeah. It almost sounds like busy work because it's not, it's not like developing skills. It's just like memorizing a thing. Right. Which I think is the basis of practice is to develop skills. And if we're talking about like uh, fun versus no fun, like even if like the building blocks of whatever art you want to do are not fun to practice, like I think you should still commit to it like with the trust that it will benefit you in the future mm-hmm. um but like practicing like really irrelevant stuff or stuff that seems like busy work right that doesn't that does not appeal to me either i do not agree with that so i've obviously we just got done talking about how much of a you know i went to school and i had to practice things that seemed kind of irrelevant to my progression and that's when the fun sort of went away but you didn't go to college for art in particular Mm -hmm. um have you ever had an experience where you just didn't want to practice or practice Um, wasn't fun or i had times where it wasn't my priority and something that i wouldn't would normally want to do like a project like a painting that um was a project that was assigned that I would ordinarily want to do and take a lot of time with and like practice like because our projects were our practice right um I didn't have enough time because it was my minor and I was still doing major courses and stuff like that that I had to worry about and so it became a chore but that's Mm. not because of the thing itself it was because of the context of the learning of it right Um, but also I think that I've never been one to enjoy specific, um, prompts, I guess. Um, and so sometimes I wouldn't be able to come up with a project in the scope that the art teachers assigned that I was into and they were also like giving the go ahead and they'd always do like the thing where they're like, I mean, you can do it, but I, I just don't think it's particularly interesting. And then you're like, well, that's basically a no. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And I'm instead going to do this idea that I didn't like very much that you, okay. you were kind of okay with. So, um, so those, those times it ended up being a chore, but there was like, I'd say those are two out of three. No, I don't want to put a number on it, but like, it wasn't all like that. Right. Um, but I'd say like in my experience, the practice kind of, like I was saying before, it was project based. So like at the end we had like a thing to present and critique. And so there wasn't a lot of like focus on specific skills. You know, it was just kind of like, make this thing and you'll develop along the way kind right. of deal. So yeah, I, that's, I'm not... Go ahead, sorry. 
I'm not sure if that was because I was a minor or because like that kind of practice was more on me and I was I had different pri different priorities than they expected me to have um but I did I did enjoy like most of the projects that I did in that minor so yeah one of the things that I noticed um right off the bat when I compared my time at the music school to the one class that I took for photography uh, was as a beginner black and white photography class. Um, I didn't have to practice in a sort of technical way like I did it when I was on the drums. You know, when I was on the drums, it was, can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> That's my rice cooker going off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. What's your ratio of rice, rice to water? Yeah. Okay, so it's definitely this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, we're we're doing a video chat, so he's pointing to his first knuckle. Yeah. From the tip of his finger to his first knuckle. Yeah. Okay. On the top of the rice, it comes yeah. out to that. And if you want to measure it, it's about one cup of rice. Yeah. To around one and a half cup of water. Okay. Yeah, that's the ratio I use with the numbers. Yeah. But <laughs> that but, thing is that thing is also clutch. Yeah. Angry. <laughs> nice. Um so when you go into music school, it's like, okay, this is all the technique that you have to practice. And that's fine because you're you're doing things with other instrumentalists and it's it's actually really fun. I don't want to make it sound like I hated practicing drums, because I definitely didn't. It was plenty of fun I've had for practicing drums. Mm-hmm. But when I went to that one, one black and white class, it was like literally no practice. We didn't talk about technique at all. Yeah. It was like, here are these ideas that mm. you can take photographs of. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like literally like the first photography class that you would have to take yeah. at the college. Nice. And okay, so this is, a, I think one of them was like, um, take a photo from above and I was like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> and so we did that and then we come back and uh then we just showed the photos and it was like a whole discussion it was like a three-hour discussion about the oh, photos wow. that's awesome I'm like man this is this is a complete different route you know yeah so what like if you had to um make a sort of equivalent situation for drums like what would that look like like the first few classes of drum class are as like free form and like kind of exciting as as that photography class yeah i think it's hard i think it's hard because there is definitely specific techniques that you have to learn to play the drums with other people yeah you know, and it's not just those techniques either, because then it's, you know, it's feel and style and that comes from, you know, listening and influence and stuff like that. So it just, it, you just can't jump right into that. You know, you have to go through those steps. Was yeah. like with black and with like photography, it's like- Everybody knows how to take a picture. But I mean, honestly, all you have to do is just, if you put 400 speed roll in your film, mm -hmm. 16, F, you know at 500 and you're good right yeah or at just 50. follow the light meter and then mess with the two knobs yeah and then you're good right yeah. and then just focus 
So it's, it's a little bit different. And we're talking base level because there's so much more to it than that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so maybe when you like... get into like a higher, when you get into a higher thing with music, mm -hmm. then that's when a lot of similarities start to come. It's like, you start thinking outside of the box. Okay, you know, what does this song mean to me? Okay, this melody I wrote in this way for this sort of, you know, emotions, or this is what this song means to me, or here's just two notes. Let's mess around with those for a very long time. You know, there's so many things that you can do. Yeah. So maybe like the barrier for entry is different. Right? Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's, I, I guess that's what I'm comparing. When was that sweet spot for you in your education where you had the ability to, or like what class or like what age were you at where you could, like you had all the skills and everybody else had all the skills where they could start experimenting and just having fun. Was that pretty early? No, I'd say that was probably junior year in my high school. Oh, okay. Um, and it was pretty lucky. I mean, all of it's all luck, right? And it's, mm -hmm. you know, I had a group of friends that were also in the music class with me in high school. And we played, you know, obviously in the band together, but then we, they would come to my house and we would play, you know, whatever style of music that we wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was, that was fun. And we definitely yeah. were all pretty much around the same level. Some of us, you know, more than others and whatever. Yeah. It didn't really matter because it was all, we're all friends and. Just messing around, having fun. Yeah. Making I mean, stuff. it didn't sound good. I definitely learned to listen <laughs> back and it was like, man, what were we thinking? But it was so much fun, you know? Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, so just to recap, we've kind of like gone over sort of like analyzing what, when practice is fun and not fun, right? Mm -hmm. And sort of like the different ways you can, people approach that or like the different outside influences of that. And then we kind of like talked about our education right. and like the practice we kind of went through in doing that kind of stuff. Um, do you have anything else that like kind of builds off of that stuff that we can talk about next? Yeah, I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to ask you if you think it's necessary to practice to get better at whatever you do. Okay. So when, when we think of practice, uh, we think of pencil to paper. We think mm -hmm. of sticks in your hand playing on the drums or you're strumming the guitar and you're playing these things. Mm -hmm. Is that necessary in order to improve? I think that it depends on your goals for whatever art you have. So if, um, or your, yeah. I'd say your goals. So if you want to like paint the Sistine Chapel, then you have to practice a lot of things, right? You have to practice like human anatomy, like mixing paint, um, being suspended, like <laughs> upside mm -hmm. down, not upside down, but prone on a, on a ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're satisfied with like your skill set, then I don't think you necessarily need to commit to practicing as much, maybe just enough to kind of keep your skills where they are. Um, and I think photography, since we can both talk about this, is something that's kind of hard to practice. Yeah. Because it's hard to get better because photos like the camera and the film or the sensor like kind of make everything for you. So it's really just what you do in the moment. And yeah. that's that has a lot of factors that don't have to do with 
like skills with specifically photography like it could be like I guess like looking for situations out in the wild um, or how you interact with people in your surroundings are things that are related to photography but those are kind of I, I don't know I'm having a hard time explaining this but they don't feel the same as um like the muscle memory it takes to like hatch like a shading thing on the side of a flower or like achieve like the color you want and put it on a on a canvas (laughs) yeah it's almost like it's almost it almost feels like the way to practice photography is to just get used to your surroundings and the ebb ebb and flow of nature or people or or things like that you know yeah and maybe even just thinking about like I've been thinking about this a lot recently is what you want to say with your photographs or what's important to you and what ideas kind of like meditating on those ideas and keeping them in the back of your head so when something comes up that like kind of like triggers that you're like ready for it and you know what to do yeah I mean there's like technical things like if you want to get into studio productions, like you have to learn mm, yeah. how to like put this light here and have this backdrop here and have them this and that and all these technical things that probably do require practice. Yeah. But for the overall, you know, picture, if we're talking like heavy influences, you know, it's like uh I don't know, let's talk about like Gordon Parks. You know, what was his practicing? No, he just knew, you know, where to be, or he just was documenting his, you know, his culture and his life, you know, Yeah. or Jamel Shabazz. It's like, I don't know, maybe he practiced. I don't, I don't know. To me, it just seems like he was there. He understood his culture mm-hmm. and he knew the ebb and flow of his, of his community, you know? Yeah. Like so, photography is weird because it's so dependent on your surroundings. to an extent it's almost it's almost kind of like that for music too don't get me wrong you definitely have to have certain skills and techniques like Mm -hmm. certain skill sets to be hired for the gig um but this whole you know who do you know society or you know community it's like you know if you're a good hang you know and you know this person yeah. You might get hired for the gig more maybe more times than the guy who's technically good at everything. Yeah. Or maybe I, that person's not that good at networking, but every time that person plays, maybe he or she has the groove, the pocket that everybody's looking for, you know? Yeah. I think that goes back to like your your overall goals. Like if you want to be a gig musician, like that's something to keep in mind. But if you want to be like, I'm, this isn't my area of expertise, but like, if you want to be like a songwriter or something, then maybe you have to practice different things. Yeah, for sure. Or more intensely with certain things. So when you are going, or okay, when you start to draw or when you start to write poems, um, we know sort of like kind of what you do in regards to like photographing, you know, coming in with like, an idea or something like that or what you want to say mm-hmm. uh do you see it in your head first and you're like okay i want to paint that 
or I yeah. want to draw this or I want to, you know, I see these words and I want to, you know. Um, I'd say generally no. I've, I'm more of like an intuitive person. Um, like in terms of writing, I like to free write. So I'll just kind of start with a phrase that I like or like an idea and then like start with a phrase um, and then like see where it goes. And it usually just like leads down a, a hole and then I end up like crossing a bunch of stuff off and rearranging things. And like that reminds me of this instead and then pasting stuff in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's how I write. And I don't write long things or like stories as much as um, just like little vignettes or like journal entries or like poems and stuff. And that kind of thing works for that because it's uh, like a subconscious thing, like a meditative thing. Yeah, it's um, kind of something like digging, finding things that work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's as much of like the process of it as like the final thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like I've, I've been drawn to it a lot recently is because like I'm trying to like explore concept a lot which photography has like like when I finished my my project small abyss like I've been all in like all my brain is thinking about like concept and ideas Mm -hmm. and photographs do that really well but like words do it like really 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 well yeah you know um and in terms of drawing I usually just have a thing that I want to draw and then (laughs) I just do it but if if I know I want to draw something and I don't like I want to finish the drawing just so I could feel good about finishing it then I'll usually just start with a line and see where it goes and sometimes they're terrible and I'm like yeah whatever but I finished it and then sometimes ever, they're all right do you ever um you know write down a line and you go off to that point where you're like man this is terrible but just keep it there and then maybe come back in like a few months and maybe that, you know, it works then. Um, I want to say, yeah, but usually no. If my mm-hmm. first instinct is like, that's, that's not good. It's usually because it's, it's really not, but then also I haven't been writing for that long. So maybe like there's, I'm focused on one like style right now. Um, whereas like in the future I won't be. But usually I'm I'm just very particular about how words flow and how they're like interconnected and stuff. And if I don't like something, it's because of that thing, that like peculiarity of how the words go or how it presents the idea that I don't like. And I usually don't change my mind on that kind of stuff, or at least I haven't yet. Right. Yeah. I find when you are really con- like conceptual, um, I find that that's the most like fascinating type of artist to me, you know, somebody like who intuition. Like, yeah. Sort of yeah. this goes uh, like finds this sort of idea or thought and then just, it sort of blooms and this whole like forest comes within it, you know, and like all these ideas start to grow and things start to get really big and almost like a, like a Bjork music video or something like that, where it like yeah. starts from something and it becomes like this big mm-hmm. thing. Like that's the, that's the peak of what you want to do. But most of the time it's just kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. ah, that didn't go anywhere. But it yeah. is, it is like an engaging thing. If you can find like some sort of art form that you can 
feel comfortable in and like be able to do that, you know, be able to figure out that relationship with that art form. Do you feel like you're, you're close to that in any of the things you've ever, I feel like sports is kind of like intuition based. Yeah, it's very visual. Um, I find though with photography, I won't, uh, there's two types of, you know, things that I'll do. You know, mm-hmm. one of them is going to be, I have this idea. I see this photo in my, in my head. Yeah. And then I'm going to go out and find that photo and take that exact photo. I mean, it's not going to be exactly the, the same photo, but it's going to be roughly around what I had imagined in my head. Yeah. How the do other those, one, wait, sorry, pause oh, really quick. How, like, how satisfied are you with those usually? Um, when I get the photo, pretty satisfied. Okay, nice. When I don't, um, you know, it sucks, but I kind of just shrug it off. Yeah. Sometimes I'll see the photo and I won't be able to get it because I'll either be driving or the mm-hmm. moment will pass, you know, especially with film photography. I mean, sometimes I get lazy and I don't have the right settings on. I'm like, uh-huh. oh crap. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> like that one's going to be really blown out <laughs> yeah. or underexposed or something like that you know yeah um <laughs> did you see that video i sent you which one <laughs> do you do you watch the one the shit film photographers say oh <laughs> no i gotta watch that oh, oh okay right. yeah you gotta watch that because there's yeah. a part where he's like he like takes a picture and he's like oh that yeah that was overexposed by six stops <laughs> 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 and then he's like it's all right the film can handle it <laughs> <laughs> dude i've been there yeah been there except for the anyway. film most likely can't handle it, but yeah <laughs> um the reason i asked that was because i i usually am not satisfied whenever i like have a picture in my head and then i like try to go out and get it um mostly because like when i picture it in my head it's like the perfect photo and mm-hmm. the light is perfect and i know where the light's coming from and like it's the like say it's a flower or something it's mm. like the ideal flower with like perfect petals and like like a spiral that looks like the uh the, um the golden ratio and stuff mm-hmm. and so like if i have like an idea like that in my head i can never like possibly get something like that so i try to stay away from that kind of thing as much as possible and that's i think that's a big reason why i haven't done a lot of portrait photography because like that's an i sort of like an idealized form like kind of like for the most part like a rigid form of photography and that that scares me i'm i'm okay to admit that right yeah um i find that the photos that i often picture in my head are usually um um let's say when we're when my wife and i went to paris last year like i envisioned this photo of my wife you know next to the pondering was a pondering man and oh, the yeah. museum the Hodan museum <laughs> <laughs> i can't speak french uh Neither but in I. the museum where he's like you know surrounded by those sort of pyramid like uh trees you know and mm-hmm. i was like oh man can't wait to get to that museum mm-hmm. because this is the photo that i want to get and I think the Cinestill guys gave me um, a free roll of 120 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got that photo, you know? Nice. And it wasn't like exactly 
what it, you know, because we were there at like noon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I had pictured it like with the sun's, you know, golden hour, but yeah, soft light. Yeah, but I got that photo and many other photos, you know, and it was like nice, pretty stoked about that, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. So and maybe it wasn't a, like like a specific photo, like a picture, but it was like I want to get this photo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's maybe... mostly like when I'm talking about like practice, practice. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like when you're starting out, yeah, all that technique practice stuff is crucial. Like for poetry, you know, you're practicing this form over and over, you know, and then for uh, art, you're practicing shading or lines or other things that, I don't know, I I can't draw. (laughs) Those are good words. Yes. Yeah, approved. (laughs) Yeah, and then with with drums, it's like you're practicing these, you know, rudiments and stuff. But you get to a point where all that is like, just like you were saying earlier, just enough to keep you going as you were yeah so like to sustain yourself with like what you want to do yeah and so then it becomes the time where i feel like this is more important is the conceptual or the vision Mm -hmm. uh, or that sort of stuff i feel like that type of practice in my mind is or in my opinion is like way way more important i think if you want to become an artist yeah if you want to just play the drums then then yeah just practice those rudiments and practice these grooves and then Mm -hmm. get with a few drum uh drums friends (laughs) and just jam same thing yeah (laughs) and that's super fun right yeah but it's almost like man i love like getting to a point where i oh i can see this photo of you know when i uh you know, even through this pandemic right now, I'm sort of picturing these specific photos that I want to get for this book that I'm going to put together for my family in like three years, you know? Oh, I'm going to want to get the photo of us going like this with soap and washing our hands. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, or the photo of, you know, this self portrait of me crying because I haven't seen my family in three months or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, those are the photos that I see in my head. And those are the mm-hmm. photos that I've been trying to get this yeah. whole time. I see. You know? Yeah. Or even when I, when, you know, do you ever have those, those moments where you're, you know, sitting or you just got off of work or something like that, or you're looking forward to the weekend so you can go out and street photography, something. Mm-hmm. Right? And you kind of, do you picture photos in your head before going out or you just go out willy nilly? I, I don't like the expectations of it. So right. I don't. Yeah. You just said that. Yeah. But um, I do, I am like excited to make photographs. I just Mm -hmm. don't let myself like put my, you know, like picture things Mm -hmm. in general. Um, But then I also like get excited when I see like pictures that photographers I like or my friends when they take good photos. And I'm like, oh man, I definitely want to try something like that. Or like, like maybe there's um, like a visual element that's like paired with another one. And I'm like, that like gets my mind thinking about like what kind of stuff is kind of like that. Um, Or like that's an interesting take on something that I have a take on something similar and I want to try that sometime. But it's never, for me, like I'm, it seems like I'm allergic to like 
pre-visualizing for photography unless I'm like right there and I have to pre-visualize the picture in the moment and then, then I'm like yes let's just, let's get that you know that's fascinating I love I love like the many routes people could take you know yeah absolutely it's so fascinating do you have it do you have any like specific I don't know I just talked about kind of like my process when going out to photograph what's yours uh, my process for photography is the opposite of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am such a pre-visualizer. <laughs> I, I pre-visualize everything. Nice. If someone hires me for a portrait session, I'm like, you know, I do the location scouting myself mm -hmm. because I, I've already seen like what I, you know, in my mind, this might accentuate this feature that they have or this clothing that they have or, um, for instance, uh, this band hired me for a, a gig, like a like portrait session for the band. And they, you know, had a bunch of colors and I was like, okay, well, we're going to go to Chinatown because they have all the walls that are like all, you know, sort of pastel-y type colors. Yeah. And they were working in threes and it was like, I visualized, you know, what this was going to look like. And mm -hmm. when I got there, what I had visualized wasn't what had happened, Ooh. but I wouldn't have been comfortable with going on that photo session without pre-visualizing it. I see. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And this goes back to like, um, sort of like your intent or your goals. So you're being hired for portrait gigs mm -hmm. which I think like the skill set you've developed is like appropriate for like what you're doing and like what you want to do mm -hmm. whereas for me the skill set that I have or that I've like practiced in my head and like with my way of thinking is like what helps me when I'm out taking pictures like on the street or like even of my family like when we're hanging out together or on vacation and stuff like that so yeah and it's so and the reason why I find it fascinating is because you're taking this sort of idea or thought and then going out on the streets and photographing with that idea and thought. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I'm not like thinking about like, I want to catch somebody smiling at somebody right. else, but it's, it's more like, like I always have like ideas in the back of my head about like humanity or like what I've been like right. in my general mood or like what I think of people. And I think that that definitely comes out like subconsciously in the same way that like when I write, it kind of like comes out, you know, like whatever I'm feeling or what I've been thinking about, even if I haven't let myself think about it, it just kind of like flows. And that's kind of like the same way that I, I do photography. And I didn't make that connection until right now, like when right. we're talking about it. So that's, even if nobody listens to this podcast, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already for it. This is the best podcast ever. Yeah. There's something like one of my favorite bands that I ever was a, like a part of um, was with uh, it was in this trio and we the guitar it was led by the guitarist and he was very um, you know it was a jazz trio but it was more experimental mm -hmm. and I remember having these rehearsal sessions that were you know let's let's just play what they call free quote unquote. Um, but we're going to base what we're playing off of this 
saying or this emotion. Oh. And so all together we're playing something or our interpretation of this quote or this emotion or something like that. And together we build something. That's super cool. That's super improv in the moment, you know? Yeah. You know, and but it's like really, really conceptual and that's so fulfilling, you know? Yeah. That's um, and that's cool. then that was for practice. That wasn't for performance. Okay. Like that was a that was a type of or a, a, a way we practiced together mm-hmm. to build Did, the language with each other. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So it's kind of like communal practice. Yeah, but yeah. with our instruments. Yeah. Did how much of that carried over into the stuff you were performing? Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. One hundred percent. Like, what kind of were you when you were performing? Was it still like experimental jazz stuff? Um, yeah, it was experimental. We all, we played a lot of like, um, Bill Evans style stuff, which maybe that'll be my art recommendation for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it it was, we played a lot of straight ahead, quote unquote, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, style jazz. But what I remember most was the way we practiced, you know? And that almost seems like the be- like to me, the best way to practice for that kind of style of performance too. Yeah. Do you have any other like do you have any memorable practice experiences? Mm, not not that stick out, but I did like form a band. I think I mentioned this in the first episode that I formed a band with my high school buddies and um like those practices were just fun because we were just hanging out and that's one of the few like collaborative practices or like practicing together with people that I've done Mm -hmm. besides like practicing in like class while other people are practicing the same thing like in a studio setting um I'm gonna say like forming a band was like the most memorable practice because like the drummer called my dog, whose name was Bagel, because he was a beagle. He called him Donut, and so <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but nothing where I was like, "Wow!" Like nothing's ever clicked in the way, like that would make it a big memory for me. Except maybe right. like when I was a kid and I was like first drawing, and I was like, "Wow, you just make lines." Mm-hmm. And then you look at those lines and you make similar lines. And then at the end, the picture looks like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the Pokemon. Right. <laughs> so maybe, maybe those, those like first, like building the skills and realizing that drawing, like the inner workings of drawing and then like practicing music with my friends in a really, did I ever send you the, a YouTube video of my band? No, but it oh. <laughs> happened immediately. All right. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Right after this episode perfect yeah i wrote a song so i'm excited i'm seriously <laughs> oh gosh we literally <laughs> recorded it in my garage so we were oh, a garage man. band <laughs> dude that's like literally half of the recordings i've been on too nice <laughs> um i guess maybe we should i kind of want to suggest ways alternative ways to practice okay are you down with that? Yeah. So we come from different types of art. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I can only speak for 
you know, what I, what I've dealt with or what I know. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good starting point. Like maybe if we like what, what my approach is going to be is I'm going to like, kind of like go through kind of like what I did in school and mm-hmm. like kind of think of right. like brainstorm ways it could have been better or like what would have been better for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a good way to go about it. Sure. Yeah. Do you want to start or should I start? Um, well, I guess I can start. And one of the things that I want to talk about when it comes to photography is I would recommend practicing the pre-visual- pre-visualization um so if you have like if you're doing like a portrait session like try to figure out ways to like try to imagine in your head and try to imitate that as much as possible Mm -hmm. um and i guess that sort of stems from your influences you know or maybe other art mediums that you've taken on or places that you've been and that sort of stuff yeah But another thing that I feel like is not talked about in the photography world that I feel like is really important is going out into the world and taking photographs without a camera, (laughs) you know, and that sounds sort of, I was thinking that too, kind of like kind of crazy, Mm -hmm. but just set your camera down. Don't take it with you, which is like a sin to the photography community, right? (laughs) The street photography, yeah. Yeah. Like, bring your camera everywhere. Hey, your camera's always on you every single day, photo yeah. a day. But don't take your camera with you. Just go out and look around and physically, when you see a photo that you want to take, just tell yourself that would be a good photo. Yeah. Oh, that would be a great photo too. Like or I mental can see image. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how you start getting into the pre-visual pre-visual life. I can't say that. <laughs> so it's like the 20th time I've been trying to say pre-visualization and I keep on saying the pre-visual. <laughs> just, just say pre-vis. I think I'm going to practice that when we get on. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> pre-visual. Have you ever seen uh, the King's speech? No, I haven't. Oh, that's it. I know. I love that movie. But yeah, pre-visualization. Yes. Yeah. You got it that time. I think that's a a nice way to sort of practice that, you know? Yeah. I think there's like, there might be a book called Practice Seeing or like one of those like instructional things, you know, like Mm -hmm. that people publish for for photography. And that's a, that's a good saying, like that kind of encompasses that like practice seeing. Right. Do you have any recommendations for practicing photography? Um that's a really good one like just the practice seeing um but i would say like with photography um like practice is also kind of looking at other photos you know Mm -hmm. and kind of thinking about how to achieve something similar yeah so it's kind of like the pre-visual visualization oh (laughs) (laughs) it's hard (laughs) um pre-visualization that you're talking about but it's more like like kind of like learning how other people do it yeah and then other than that just kind of practicing exposure and like i think that um like depending on a meter or like a light meter built into a camera 
can be very deceiving because if you're like if you're taking a picture and there's a lot of contrast or like some like a heavy part of it is it part of it is in shadow like your meter will throw it off based on where like the center is or what mm -hmm. kind of metering system it has so i think like knowing exposure and like when it's important to overexpose and when it's important to underexpose and those are that those are relative terms are is a good skill to always be practicing right and i me and you both shoot manual cameras for the most part and so we don't like really depend on light meters so we're always kind of practicing exposure um but it's if you're not into that i'd say like at least try it for a little bit yeah um, sunny 16 is a good rule for sure and that's that's my main photography thing what about for um for drawing for drawing i think it's a lot like how you're speaking talking about music where mm -hmm. you you do have to develop the technical skills um of like putting pencil to paper um, and muscle memory and stuff like that but also um the practice seeing things is really essential to drawing because like a lot of people like when you tell them to draw a tree they'll draw like a puffy cloud with like a stock and it looks like broccoli right mm -hmm. uh, um that's literally but, all of my trees <laughs> <laughs> which isn't which is a great starting point <laughs> um but when you like look at a tree you see that like it's not it's not just a broccoli top with a stem like there are like spaces on the inside that because there are leaves in it it's like jagged you know and it's not puffy it's like jagged because it's made up of individual leaves and so like breaking down um objects into forms that you can recreate in 2d space is like an essential thing for for drawing but then if you're doing like a conceptual thing then it doesn't really matter but then what's important there is still like being able to like have intent when you when you create like a stroke or a line and having it look like the way you envision it mm. so maybe that's why i don't like pre-visualizing any of my like photography stuff is because like drawing is like all pre-visualization <laughs> where you have like a blank sheet of paper or a blank canvas and you're just you're seeing it first and then you're like trying to achieve it and maybe that's like right. my quota like all of my pre-visualization goes into drawing and like painting and stuff and i i don't have that that ram mm. to to focus in any other areas but those are my drawing tips yeah yeah for practice M maybe that's why i mean it's so odd that i can't draw maybe i could i just never really dove into it maybe you just need a good teacher <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah me yeah one that's like Let me do this you. line 50 times <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, for for drums, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that you're at a point where you've already acquired the ne necessary skills and technique to play with other musicians. Mm -hmm. So we're fast forwarding to that part. So like the fun stage you were talking the about. The fun before, stage, right? yeah, yes. Yeah. My recommendation to every drummer out there and maybe every other instrumentalist, whichever 
but my recommendation would be to stop taking drum lessons oh and start taking lessons from other instrumentalists oh so if you are a drummer start by taking lessons from a bass a bass player a professional person that teaches bass okay i see um and this is different from just jamming with your friends because they're going to give you um feedback in a teacher setting that will help you play with bassists yes and then take lessons from a saxophone player take lessons from a vocalist so do you tell them that you're a drummer that's trying to like absolutely put yourself okay so it's not yeah. like a surprise thing at the end where you're like nope. Haha, i'm a drummer <laughs> 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 you fool i yeah. paid for your class <laughs> <laughs> not nah, like private instructions from you know i've done that plenty of times where it's uh, I've taken lessons from a piano player on yeah. the drums, you know, and it's like, then you start learning how to, if we have this word in drumming called comping, that's mm -hmm. also um, relevant to how you play the guitar and how you play the piano and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. in drums, comping tends to be this sort of like rigid thing to do with your left hand on the snare drum. Okay. It's really hard to explain, but once you know, you know. And it's so it's so not musical to me it's like it's hard to listen to a drummer that is just learning how to comp oh yeah because it's like <laughs> da 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 <laughs> is it like filling up space yeah is that what it's comping filling up is? space and they end up doing it too much and it's not mm -hmm. musical yeah so that's how i would recommend it it's like okay you've learned cool. how to free up your left hand now go take lessons from a piano player because you're comping with them anyway in a setting you know mm -hmm. yeah so that's what i would recommend Gotcha. I have like a piece of overarching advice for all kinds of practice. Let's do it. All right. So I just thought I might have just thought about this right now, but I just wrote it down right now. And it's um, to know yourself, because like I'm assuming that like this is for people who are outside of like formal instruction and they just want to like practice something by themselves. Um, everybody has like different ways that they prefer learning or like practicing. And like also different goals so i'd say like kind of do like the path of least resistance that also gets you to where you're, you want to go you know like yeah like going back to the fun versus work thing like make it as enjoyable as you can mm -hmm. and then like i think that's the best way to learn when you want to practice right um, and like if you know that like after work that's the best time because you're still up and you can you can still do stuff before you like settle into the couch then like make sure you do that mm -hmm. or like if the best way that you like to to learn is like through youtube videos or something like that then like make sure to put on youtube videos there's like no shame in like figuring out how you best learn and for doing sure. that for yourself 100% so, yeah 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 that's a good good re that's a good recommendation right there wise yeah <laughs> Um, you know, I guess we can segue into our sort of future episodes, what's going to come next and maybe in the future. Yeah, um, and we can do good. that before our, um, recommendations to each other. Okay. Because we're already on this sort of list, right? Um, yes. So we talked about influence a lot in this 
I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say like a, I mean, a I tiny guess. bit. Yeah. But influence has a huge play on our uh, on practice on practice. Yeah. And like because, who we are as individuals, like you were just saying. You know. Yeah, I was talking. I've been talking a lot about goals, and like definitely, I feel like a lot of like your your goals are based on what influences you and like what kind of stuff you're into and what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but I think we're gonna dive into how influences can be sort of detrimental to us. Yeah. Like when I think of influences, I think of like imitation almost. Yeah. So and that'll that's definitely scary. be something. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of scary because it's it's a really, double-edged sword. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. But that's where our heads are at now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to we're going to be thinking about influences for the next 2 weeks and the next episode will come out in 2 weeks, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. But um, we do have some recommendations that we like to give to each other. We do. Um, and we and we we yeah, have hopefully, them on the tip of our tongue. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you guys uh, whoever listens will also check out these um, artists uh, or anything. Um, but I do want to last week I recommended to you uh, Thelonious Monk um, which is funny because I do kind of want to extend that um, just sort of based off of what we're talking today like I always said like the band that I was in was heavily influenced by Bill Evans Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of do want to recommend Bill Evans to you but here's here's the tricky part okay if you search Bill Evans, you oh, might get a saxophone player. <laughs> okay. That person I would not recommend to you. <laughs> okay, not sax. Bill Evans, the piano player, I would piano. definitely recommend to you. Okay, pianist. Yeah, and he played with Miles Davis and had his own. Oh, thing. I know Miles Davis. I there, know you Miles Davis. there you go. There you go. I know a jazz thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe okay. I'll send you. I'll send you a few. I'll send you a few records. Okay. Check out. Yeah. Yeah. And my, if we're still like talking about influence or like the past influence or recommendation, sorry. um, What I thought of Thelonious Monk and since I'm not very art or music literate in terms of like jazz and stuff, I thought it, he sounded a lot like Charlie Brown music. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Is that like kind of on bass a little bit? Kind of on bass in that... Um, Thelonious Monk and Vince Guaraldi, who is the composer for Charlie Brown, uh, were both very playful. Mm-hmm. Um, Monk sort of tried to think outside of the box um, when it comes to the confinement of the jazz world. Um, and he used a lot of um, accents and rhythms and dissonant notes in certain placements that were sort of like awkward or playful for what was considered straight ahead at that time. Um, and it's just really nice to to hear somebody try to think outside of the box and try to extend it or maybe even break out of the box, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I messaged you, replied back to you saying, like, I kind of wish he wasn't just, you know, confined to the jazz world. I kind of wish that he went on to the experimental world or maybe the orchestral world or something like that to sort of see what he could have done outside of jazz, you know? Yeah. Um, but maybe he just wanted to stay there, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Vince Guaraldi was definitely very playful. Yeah. Nice. Super fun. Did you look up uh, the Art Assignment YouTube channel? 
I did. So I recommend it. Yeah. Yes. I like watched that? I watched one of the episodes that stuck out to me was their uh their take on video games. Oh, I still haven't watched that one. Yeah. I'm saving it. I liked it because it was video games get a lot of mixed opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, is it a waste of time? Is it killing your children? Um they talked about how video games really sort of could help people in the real world mm-hmm. in terms of motor drive and uh, thought process and uh, hand-eye coordination. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in some cases when you play, like they use RPGs as an example for literature, like you read, you know, oh, yeah. a lot of text and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you're immersed into this world. Nice. It's really nice. And I didn't know it was a PBS show. Yeah. And I also just found out from watching that channel that, um, like the host of that show is Hank, is the wife of Hank Green or John Green. I forget one of the Green brothers. They they're like big YouTube people. Oh okay. Familiar. Yeah, but that's, I totally get that. She like fits yeah. the bill for yeah. for how they are. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think I found a recommendation for you. Okay, here we go. Have you heard of Earl Sweatshirt? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, it was. It was going to be some rap songs by Earl Sweatshirt. Do it anyway. It's fine. All right. Well, I really like this album by Earl Sweatshirt. It's called Some Rap Songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like experimental hip hop. But for me, all hip hop is experimental because I haven't like gotten too far into it. But I really, I really do like that album. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening because I haven't listened to that album. But what I have heard from mm-hmm. him, his style is... I, is fascinating because it it comes it it sounds like it comes from a place um like deep in like i don't know it has like this really lackadaisical sort of vibe to it that kind of makes me feel his feelings you know yeah it's i think it's fascinating his, his his rap style so have you listened to um or what have you listened to from him um, most of the stuff I've listened to from him is whatever he's on, like uh, maybe the Frank Ocean stuff, you know? Oh, okay. So his yeah. features. Yeah, his features. Uh, Super Rich Kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so That's good. That's an awesome song. That's yeah. a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his, uh, his solo stuff is like pretty heavy. But it's yeah. like, like you're saying, like I never thought of it that way, I think. But it's very like from the heart and you can like pick up on that very easily yeah it sounds like he comes from a place um like you can hear his pain when he raps you know and yeah i respect that a lot you know yeah because it's one thing to it's one thing to rap you know and a lot of rap comes from a source of pain you know mm-hmm. but to be uh, to expose yourself in a way that sort of see seems like uh vulnerable it's kind mm-hmm. of respect that i respect that a lot you know cool all right so this has been a fun talk about practice yep Maybe, episode two yeah of the episode art two take. of the art take take. our advice or don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and if if you have any thoughts about practice or you want to like kind of question us on anything we said feel free to email us at um, the art take at gmail.com. Um, and you will be able to listen to this podcast anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And our 
website host right now is Podbean, and you can find our profile at www.thearttake.podbean.com. You can check that out. I'm, we're still figuring out podcast things. We haven't practiced, so we're we're still figuring it out. But <laughs> yeah. you can you can join us there. I think yes. we have a logo. We have an Instagram that we're gonna post to soon. And um, episode, this is episode two. This is episode two, episode three. Influence. Influence. See you guys then. See ya, thank you. Bye.